Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 61. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast is the first of two Dead and Company Playing in the Sand Cancun recap episodes. And, uh, you know, honestly, there is enough content for like four episodes, but I'm going to I'm going to scale it back to two. Um, You know, I had every intentions of having these conversations in person while I was down in Mexico. I thought it would just be so awesome to get a chance to, you know, talk to all these strangers and meet them and and record the conversations. And I I brought my new fancy recorder and everything. But uh, by the end of the first day, it was just super clear to me that, you know, this was an experience that just had to be lived in the moment. And, you know, I feel like most of the people I talked to really felt the same way. Figured the odds would be pretty good that there'd be uh, plenty of deadheads to connect with, to reminisce and and recap the weekend uh, once we got back grounded in reality. So on this episode, I talked to Michael Sage, Susan Marston, and Rachel Ann. Michael and I connected after we got back. We met after we got back. Susan and I connected virtually before the trip, but as it goes, never was able to meet up. So I was super excited to get a chance to talk to her after we got back. And Rachel Ann was the very first person that I met. Really fun little mix of people and their memories. And uh, each person picked a standout song from the shows. And uh, it was just really great time. So I've been making these intros a little bit longer, you know, just really wanting to make sure people knew all the spots they could find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and actually a new platform called Anchor FM that I just uh, launched the podcast on. Since my last podcast with Rob Turner, Stranger Stopping Strangers has joined a family of podcasts called Osiris. Osiris Network is... A community of music and cultural podcasts that are, you know, connecting music fans like you guys and conversations and commentary and then, you know, of course, lots and lots of music. So for all you podcast listeners, uh, check it out if you want to hear some more cool stuff. It's at OsirisPod.com. That's O-S-I-R-I-S-P-O-D.com for more of a list on the other great podcasts and you'll hear a little bit more about Osiris at uh, the end of this episode. As always, thank you so much for stopping by. I hope you enjoy listening and I will catch you next week with a part two from Dead and Company's Playing in the Sand. Enjoy! Welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. 
Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, you are. I am so excited. You are my first playing in the sand post remnants podcast guest. So, I mean, I'm like beyond excited right now. This is so fun. Well, it's a very serious honor to be first and to be honest. All good. And a true stranger because we never actually met. <laughs> Sadly. Sadly. We are meeting now. We are meeting now. And you we are both in the Northeast. So this is this is how strangers stopping strangers meet, right? We'll see each other, you know, down the golden road for sure. Sounds perfect to me. Right on. Well, so usually, you know, the podcast, we talk about people's lives and their stories and all of that. But, you know, we're just we're going to be, you know, straight to the quick on this one, because this is a playing in the sands, you know, just memory recap. So I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your adventure, your experience, who, who you came down with and, you know, where to stay and, and give us a little 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 bullet points. Sure, sure. Well, my adventure began like really you know, as the thing was being announced, um, you know, we, we heard about it and then we go, we as two of my very close friends from, from New Jersey where I live and I sort of spotted this in the news. We gathered at my house on the day that the internet sales were going to go on. Three guys, laptops and computers sitting in my office, home office. I think it was like a, like a regular like a Wednesday or th- I don't know what day of the week it was, but it wasn't a Friday. It was right in the middle of the week. <laughs> it was working hours. Was, it was working hours, and we said, "How will that work? We're going we're to do this." Funnily enough, the one of us who was like the least tech savvy and the least organized got through. Of course, I think that's the way it always is. He got through first. We we wanted a four person room. Or we wanted a three person room, but but we would take a four person. We wanted a certain date, like five nights. He got through uh, first. He got a Barcelo Palace room. We didn't quite understand the difference between Barcelo Maya and Barcelo Palace. We just wanted to be on site. He got it. We grabbed it. And that was like right in early stages. So we've been, you know, we've been thinking and talking about this forever. Um, we ended up adding a fourth person, which is my son, um, who's 24 years old. And that was, yeah, it was very nice, my friends, to, to add him, uh, to let him come with us. He's extremely competent, my son. Um, so we had, we had the benefit of him like doing a lot of things and getting things done in a very competent, quick, fast way for us. So that was nice. Plus, he's a great guy. So it ended up being the four of us. Uh, we were all kind of worried that maybe there'd be a work interruption or whatever. We all managed to, to make it. And we had an outrageously amazing, incredible time. It, it was one of those rare times in life when you, you spend many, many months and a lot, a lot of time anticipating something, hoping it's going to work out, worrying it might not work out because of work or other lo- real-world interruptions, and then it happens, and it actually exceeds expectations, you know, it goes beyond, which was, uh, I think everyone felt that way there, but we certainly did. Oh, me too, absolutely. I mean, it's like so pumped up about it, and you're going in thinking, like, oh, this just sounds like the greatest thing ever, and then it was. <laughs> you know, true. like, it's so it's incredible. True. Yeah, no, it's not that, and I, I feel like, you know, I mean, I feel like this within the dead community and with so many things, you know, there's so much like serendipity and magic and almost like you're in like a little bubble. Like I feel like sometimes when I'm driving and I'm listening to the music, I'm in this, you know, special bubble, you know, where you're protected. And I, I really felt that way for the whole trip, right? I mean, the travel was easy. The, everything just was, everything was just in sync with the universe. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, you know, one CID just did a ridiculously good job. He just did. I, I heard so few complaints. There's always some complaints in the real world, but but very, very few, and I had none. No, um, me too. And, uh, and you know, the people were just nice, and 
know, this is a little bit different than, you know, I went to Paradise Waits in 2014 for, for those last four shows. This is a little bit different in that that was all, you know, at, at the Hard Rock, everyone was a dead, dead band. So it was 100%, you know, whereas this, you know, Barcella was like, I don't know, 40%, 30%, I'm not sure what the number was, but it was not all. So that was a different experience. But it was still, it was kind of nice. It was, it was nice to have a little bit of the of non-dead bands and having them sort of see us and, and be kind of amused by us and too. So, absolutely, you know, I think the real I think the real story is I should get uh, some of the guests. I should get people who were staying at the Barcelo on the podcast to see what they made of the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'd be interesting to see what they made of it. I oh, think some yeah. of them ended up walking over to the the fence outside the venue and listening to the music. I'm, I'd be surprised if some people didn't just do that who were there because they, they were very you know sort of curious as to what the hell we were all doing down there. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it was like a giant, you know, family reunion party scene thing. I I thought about those people quite a bit, thought about it going in and then seeing them around. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely a memorable crew if you're not used to it. You know, like it's um, (laughs) it's a lot to take in. But I mean, I uh, well, what's funny is like, you know, just the leaving, too, with the you know, at the airport, you still see everyone. And on the first flight, you know, back on my first leg, I was sat next to people that were at the show and you're talking and then um, this is pretty funny and then the next leg is charlotte to hartford for me and i get there and like i'm still expecting everyone to be friendly and come from the show and you know at that point it was just down to me and kevin roy hey kev stopped and said hey to me when i was walking down but you're still like in that that bubble where you feel like everyone should just be saying hey and you know and i stopped this lady who had like a girl with her this with like a backpack like sort of maybe a guatemalan backpack and there was a bunch of um, buttons on it, you know, and I was like, oh, you're just coming back too. Well, it's, she's a cheerleader mom and she had four 16 year olds that had just come from some cheerleader thing in Florida. Kind of a different experience, probably. <laughs> totally different experience. But I was like still in like the post dead show glow where I was like, hey, you know, and she was friendly. It was like, hey. And then she's like, no, there was like 10,000 cheerleaders. Uh-oh. Well, have a safe flight. <laughs> They weren't at our hotel. <laughs> they were not. They weren't even in Mexico. No, it was that was the Charlotte. That was the middle leg flight, right? So gotcha. at that point, gotcha. I really the cheerleading incident made me realize that, um, yeah, I was on my own. Back to reality. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the real world. But you bring that little magic with you, right? Like no worries, you know. No Stop doubt. said, hey. No I mean, you know, if we, we if we could all live our lives that way, you know, just with you know hugs instead of handshakes and all that. I mean, how amazing would that be? I agree. I agree. That was part of the magic of being down there, frankly. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no handshakes. No shaking hands. Just gigantic hugs all around. Yep. Well, so we're going to play some music, too. So, I mean, three shows. Amazing. Amazing. I'm sure it's not easy to pick. I don't know if I could pick, but I'm going to make you. So the the takeaway song for uh, Mike Sage Pitt's experience. So, first of all, it's a very tough question because there's so many the great moments over three shows. I'm sure you know that. And you'll get, well, I'm sure if you ask this question multiple times, you get many answers. But for me, the song that really, you know, that was really unique and there's a backstory to it, which I'll tell you, um, was The Wait. The Wait. Um, that was the closing song of night one. Yeah. And, you know, one night one was just, uh, you know, epic for me. I thought they were all great, but night one really for me was the greatest. And that was the end of the show. But, my Grateful Dead journey 
began in like 1979, my first show saw that I fully appreciated. In other words, I, I saw some shows shows before this, but when I really got grabbed by the scene, it was in 1980. I was lucky enough to go to the Lewiston Main show in September of that year. Oh yeah, Leave on Helm. Yeah, I mean, there's an ama- it's an, a famous show because they play 28 songs, which is extraordinary. Um, usually, it's you know 17, 18, and even then, there were people were. You know, it was unusual for then. So they played 28 songs. But before the dead came on that night, Levon Helm played of the band. And I'm a huge band guy. For me, the band and the dead are intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the beginning of my really becoming a major dead fan was was a show where Levon Helm played before the dead. Um, and so... When they played The Wait, which is probably the band's signature song, um, and it was sung by Lee Von Helm, he's a lead singer at least on that song, you know, it kind of brought everything together. Uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was a really cool um, combination and, and made me think back to September 6th, 1980, um, and, and how meaningful that day was in my music life. So, yeah. That's a beautiful story. Oh, I just got the chills. Yeah, no, I just got, I literally just got goosebumps. Oh, that is so awesome. Now, it was, I mean, I agree. I mean, the whole weekend, the whole, all three shows were magical. I'm not a critic. I can't technically break this shit down. I don't try to break it down because it's really just about what you're feeling, you know? And I think the first night was kind of elevated for me just because it was the first experience and we still knew we had two more shows. So it was like, holy shit, this is beyond amazing. And we've only begun. So for me, the first night had that, that energy because of all of the situations around it. I mean, yeah, technically, I don't know. It was all amazing. And it changes where you're standing, where you're going. Are you in the water? I I can really make a great case for every, every show and every set. I mean, I mean, there wasn't anything that wasn't I didn't love. So your point is well taken. That you know, it's it's like I must choose like choosing between your kids when you pick a show. But you know, if I had to lean one way, it might have been the first thing. I think you're right, by the way. I think that that factor of it being the first with two more to come is really you have an optimism about it and excitement about it. Whereas by the third show, you're already a little bit melancholy. It's going to be over soon. Exactly, Um, exactly. Again, it's just it's more emotional than technical. But everyone has you know their own experiences. But yeah, it was tremendous. I completely agree. And I've haven't heard them sing the weight. I know they did in fall tour, and I'm such a huge Jeff Chimetney fan. I think he's just tremendous. So to get a chance to hear him sing too, I mean that's just so much fun. It was just awesome. And one of the things about the dead that that, that makes them unique. I mean, there's so many things, but one thing that makes them unique is that they often pass the mic back and forth during songs, I and mean, they always have. That's been that's been one of the signature things that you know songs crescendo and different. You know, and not everyone sing. That the lead isn't always the same throughout the whole song. The weight is particularly that way. Four people sing during that song. So yeah, and so and Jeff being part of it was special for me. But so is O'Teal. Yeah. And so it was, you know, John and Bob, you know, so that they all sang on one song was part of why it was so cool for me also. It wasn't just, it was, it was really everything. The end of the show, uh, the, the harkening back to the band, that they all sang, Jeff singing, which is so unusual. Yeah, it was great. I mean, wow, what a moment. It hit on moment. all cylinders. Well, I'm going to play it. it. I'm going to play it. And, you know, I'm not sure about, I probably won't say this before each song, but I want to just be sure to say this in the beginning. So typically I am the big go to archives.org, find the link, go to archives.org. And I just did a quick little surf, you know, to be like, okay, let me get these songs. I pulled up the website, that and company's page. And 
to get an MP3, it's like a dollar twenty-nine to own the MP3. I'm doing that. You know, I wanna, I wanna bring it all back. Who gave us this opportunity? And um, so, anybody who's listening that was there or was not there that wants to hear the music needs to hear the music. And I am getting my music from the website. Anyone who's interested, yeah, there they are. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's roll in. And it was so nice to meet you post-show, future shows. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be listening now. So, yeah, uh, great. That's awesome. Everybody enjoy the wait, and I will be back with another stranger playing in the sand. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that we're getting to talk because you and I, we were in touch and <laughs> we never touched. We never made the meetup in Mexico. We failed. Epic fail. Epic fail on the meetup. We were too busy having a good time to work on finding people. <laughs> You know, the time went by really, really quickly. I mean, I think when you look forward to something like an event like Mexico for basically six months, it, it goes by in a flash. And I honestly had so much fun. I'm going to need plastic surgery to remove the smile from my face, Stacey. Oh, my God. Me too. I mean, it's like it's so amazing. You're just so happy. I was looking at all the pictures, and they're like the best pictures. And somebody said something about it. And I'm like, well, it's because we're just so goddamn happy. You know, like when you're really that happy, 
it, it, you know, it just comes across. You're like, yeah, no, we were that happy. It's so easy to have that natural smile. It was just, it never went away. I think everybody was so excited to be there. So excited to meet other people, hear the music, check out the churros. <laughs> um, it was it was a super high uh, event. I think I'm having a hard time like reintegrating back into normal society. Uh, my brain is definitely still in Mexico and probably will be so for another week. Uh, absolutely. And I kind of hope that some of that like little energy and spirit does sort of stick around, right? Like just looking around like everybody is, you know, in here for the same purpose. I mean, I know that's not how real life is, but if we could all sort of bring some of it back, like how awesome would that be? Right. You know, perspective. Yeah, I think the spirit of the dead and the sh- dead company and the shows is definitely one of the main attractions for me. I, I met so many people, you know, at the shows. I have new show buddies or show hoes and show bros, as I call them. I'm going to New York with people I met from California on Saturday and Sunday night, and I'm going to Boulder now I have people to meet up with. You know, we exchange phone messages, phone phone numbers, and text texting. And you know, it's so super cool to have expanded sort of the group. My family. I'm in Boise, Idaho, by myself, and I don't have a lot of deadhead friends here. So I'm really excited to have people to hang out with when I travel this summer to go to shows. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm a West Coast to East Including Coast. Including you. Including me. <laughs> yes, I'm on the East Coast and we'll definitely meet. I'm not 100% sure what's what's on the books. It'll be Mansfield, Hartford, City Field for sure. I don't know. I mean, kind of like dabbling with kind of like what you're saying. I've met some friends that are going to be in Atlanta and I just loved the whole idea of getting on a plane for a show. That was I mean, it was the opposite of hassle. And um, so maybe that, you know, just to meet friends that I've never met and to go down. And you know, it's the only thing in life that's like, oh, no, I'm happy to travel for this. You know, I can't think of anything else I'm happy to travel for. Yeah. Yeah. And I would do it. <laughs> I travel to almost all my shows because in Boise, Idaho, Devon Comedy doesn't come anywhere near here. The closest they've come is the Gorge. And, um, you know, all my shows are involving airline travel, every single one. So it's fun. It's actually pretty easy. Yeah. No, I, I think it's fun. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, again, I do some work travel here and there, and that's not fun at all. But um, no, wah, <laughs> wah, wah, you know, well, it's cracking me up because I got back. I flew in and out of Bradley and I got back at like, I don't know, one in the morning or something. And I had just come back from a work trip. Same sort of scenario, same amount of days, same parking, same thing. And it's amazing the difference that you feel when you're somewhere that you're just being like given so much energy, you know, like there was nothing that was mm-hmm. really depleting mm-hmm. you. So it's like your battery's at like 150% or whatever, you know, like I, I got there and I'm like, I'm actually really good. Cause I feel like despite the whole international travel day, your energy's so high from just the experience that it's, uh, from being there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I want to bring up the music because so this is all like so classic, you know, dead serendipity. I had to pick one song. It's like the hardest thing about this podcast. People picking just one fucking song. They're all so awesome. And you are the second person on the podcast. And uh, tell me, Susan, what was your song pick? My song pick from Playing in the Stand is going to be The Wait. Um, A couple of reasons for that. One is it's rare. I think they only played it once during fall tour. I love the song. I always have loved the song. I love the band uh, who, who originally uh, did the song as well as the fact that 
we get to hear Jeff sing. Yeah! I mean, he's, obviously, <laughs> he's obviously singing backups during the whole time, during all the, the songs, but we don't hear him. It's the first time where Jeff actually sings a solo. And I love also the fact that the way that the band sang the song, each member of the group took a turn, and Deb and Company is staying true to that. And, um, you know, it's just a great song, and um, I just feel really lucky to have seen it from the third row <laughs> on the first night. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with every single thing that you said. And honestly, Michael Sage agrees with every single thing you just said. Because <laughs> we just played the way. Great minds think alike. Great minds think alike. I mean, not only did you and the first guest, who I've never met either of you, and you've never met each other, and this is just, again, all just organic and timing. Yeah, I'm excited for you to hear um, Michael talk about it. Michael, hear you talk about it, because you, we, we all love the same thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> which is so cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I didn't, didn't see that on fall tour. I remember, you know, seeing it. Was it in Texas that they played it? It was towards the end of the tour. I, I think it was remember. in, it was like towards the, I think it was Charlotte. It was somewhere down South. Cause I went to Philly shows and DC shows and I can tell you, they definitely did not play it there. No, um, I've never seen so it. it. It was after I got home, which would have been uh, right, right after Thanksgiving, which is when I got home. Yeah, I did not see it. It was so fun. And I love Jeff. I mean, he's just, um, he's just such a happy, happy, right? I mean, he's just, he's, he's right. so happy. He reminds me of like, um, you know, when you're like driving down the road and you see like a big yellow lab or something with its head out the window and it's all smiley and its blonde hair is like being <laughs> and blown. And hair is blowing in the breeze. Yeah, you know, and you see that <laughs> like, dog. And, like Jeff's hair was blowing in the breeze in Mexico. Totally, yeah, exactly. you know, exactly. and you see it and they got that huge smile and their whole head is out the window and you're like, man, he's just stoked to be out for a ride right now. Like that's, I just, that's what I think of Jeff because he's just so smiley and happy and just exudes such good energy. Mm -hmm. no, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we were probably cut. So if you were on Jeff's side, I was, I kind of moved around. I was up at the front. Most of the oh, first I was in the show. Ozone. I you was in the ozone. in the ozone between John and Joan under between pretty much right under mayor on the first night and then more towards O'Teal on the Saturday, Sunday shows. It was hard to get up there. People were being really very territorial. They I've were. rarely seen that. I always stay, I, I'm a, I'm a pit hoe. I always get pit tickets and usually people are pretty okay. Um, and there were some people that had staked out their turf with their blankets and they were pushing people that came into their space. It was it, it kind of got very, um, like a turf war. And, it, it really, uh, I, I couldn't agree I, with you more. No, absolutely. It was, it, yes, yes, yes. It was, it was sad to me that people weren't being, sharing their space. And some of these people were making sure that they had like four square meters around them on all sides at all times. And it was like, gosh, you know, like you have plenty of room to dance. And if you want to dance that wildly, perhaps maybe you should go to the outskirts. Uh, and the I, outskirts I, I, is I, the I, ocean, right? I mean, the outskirts aren't like some <laughs> shitty seats in Madison Square Garden. It's, they're not some like nosebleed seats. Like right, if you just right. want to walk like, you know, a few hundred yards, you could do that in the ocean, <laughs> like on the sand. And, and it was to the point, if, if you wanted, and especially in the second set, if you wanted to take a break and go get some food or go to the bathroom or get another drink, not that the waiters weren't coming through with the unlimited supply of tequila and beer, at least where I was, um, you stood a chance of not being able to get back to where you were um, or to your friends because people were just saying, no, you're not coming up. 
That's what and happened to me. Was, yeah, was, totally was, happened to me. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm like listening, going, was, yep, 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 yep. And I mean, I just wanted those like little Mexican waiters to go pee for me and I would have been all set, you know? I mean, they offered everything <laughs> but emptying my bladder. Oh, honey, I had an empty water bottle I was going to shove under my skirt. I was like, I am not leaving and I have to go. And uh, we were all teasing, just go in a cup, just go in a cup. No, I had the exact same experience. And the funniest thing is listening to you talk. We must have been right near each other because A, that was the crowd. And B, that's where I was standing during some of the show. And my sister mm -hmm. and I were right, right there, like maybe second. I mean, we probably were dancing next, with each other on the first night. And we didn't and even know it. It's so crazy. And then I went to go find them. The first night was was pretty mellow and I kind of left it with the crowded. ocean. It was. It was. The Saturday first night, night was less crowded. Saturday night, people were nuts. Yeah. And people were yeah. really, I got yeah. pushed. So here's my, um, here's my story. And I, I mean, I, and I say this with, this was like the best vacation of my life, including two honeymoons. Right. Sorry, husband, number one and husband, current, <laughs> current <laughs> I husband. Got two of, I got two of those too. I asked, uh, no, I was like, so and so, how was it? I'm like, it was better than either of my honeymoons. I mean, it was like, like the, right. honestly the best trip of my entire life. So, yeah, so that being said, this little bitching and complaining still doesn't take away from that. But, um, but yeah, the second night I was trying to find a friend and they were up front and I was going through and I was by myself and I'm five foot two, right? Like I'm, a, I'm not a big gal. Right. And I was trying to find this specific friend and I was walking through and some lady next to me, I, and I think I talked to someone else. They said they think the same, it was the same lady said, keep on moving, honey, keep on moving, you know? And I said, yeah, I yeah. am moving, you know, I am like, and then you think for a minute, like, do you really think that your vibe, this is where I'm going to stop, you know, like, regardless of where you are, like, I don't want to be next to someone who doesn't want me near them. Like, I get it. Right. So I was trying to move. And then she took me and pushed me and like took her hands and pushed wow. me forward like in my lower back and I like stumbled into some people that were in front of me and they, they were lovely, you know, and welcomed me in. And then I really didn't move for the rest of the first set. Cause I was so like taken aback by the push, by the shove and um, kind of embarrassed. Yeah. Like I'm like this drunk gal, like, you know, and I'm like, no, no, sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Eh. there were some people that had definitely overindulged. Um, and, you know, there was one guy on the last night who was, completely out of his mind next to me and he's a big guy and his wife was next to me and she knew that he was so hammered drunk that she sent him out. She told him, you are falling on people. You know, this is not okay. You need to like leave. And he did. So good for that lady. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who this lady is for, for what it's worth. I couldn't ironically pick her out of a crowd. Uh, I just remember mm -hmm. the voice that keep on moving, you know, and I'm like, I am trying, right. I am trying to keep moving. <laughs> Believe me, I'm looking yeah. for my friend and I never was able to find him. But yeah, it, that was, that was hard to find friends. But I think maybe because we were all GA, maybe because everyone was so pumped up about it. Um, Right. It was a 5,000 person pit, basically, you know, as opposed to the, you know, the, the, I, I was surprised at how small the pits were in DC and Philly. They weren't crowded at all. There's tons of room. You know, it was, it was a big, it was a very big pit for lack yeah. of a better word. I so, completely agree. Yeah. No, because I'm thinking I, and that's the funny part is, is like thinking about where I was compared to being at the pit at other shows. And my sister has never been mm -hmm. to the pit and she was with me and she's like, I've never been this close. And I was thinking about like, 
City Field or or uh, Fenway or like big stadiums. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah I yeah. actually have. And it's it was easier <laughs> to get right. like this close in a bigger place. So I, I agree a thousand percent, you know, like, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. just like everything in life. Just be kind, you know, just don't be pushy. And I think it just didn't, the, needs to just kind of flow. I mean, you just kind of flow through. And if something, if it's not the right spot, I know I just keep on moving until you find that right little spot of people, you know? Right. And there were plenty of pockets where you could have split in and not been an issue. But, you know, when there was this sort of territorial thing going on and it was really ugly. Let's just put it that way at times. Well, I'm glad we talked about it because my friend, um, Rob Turner, which, hey, Rob, was at, uh, he was my last two podcasts, and he and I did like the, the little um, recap, and I was telling him about it, and I was telling him about the lady and whatever, and he said, be sure to talk about it on the podcast because I try to keep things really positive because things are positive, and I feel like right. for entertainment, who wants to hear negative shit? And he's like, no, but that's real. Like, that's how that happens, so be sure to talk about it with one of your people. So, Rob Turner, it didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> we got it out. <laughs> but it still doesn't take away from the overall magic. But I think it's important to talk about all the different experiences, right? You know, it's it makes up mm-hmm. the sum. Mm-hmm. It makes up the sum of the total thing. I don't know. I'm just kind of bummed. I'm not going down to New Orleans and Florida. <laughs> I'm like, ready. I sold, my, I sold my pit tickets to New Orleans yesterday, actually. I just... And then, of course, Justin just posted on the on the pits page, hey, flights are cheap to New Orleans. I'm like, you're lucky I sold you my tickets, brother, because if they're really cheap flights to New Orleans, I would be on Delta right now booking one. So. Oh, it's a it's a it's a uh, a time consuming, expensive habit, but one I am beyond thrilled to have. <laughs> I, I, I know I every year or I, I'm holding out for Europe. I'm praying that we get a Europe fall tour. Um, because I've got a couple of shows this summer, but Europe is the Holy Grail for me. So I'm all in. I'm thinking the rumor was it was going to be eight shows in Europe after lock-in. So I'm praying to six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus that uh, I'm going to get to go to Amsterdam and, and some other places in Europe and see the band. Uh, me too. I would stop. I feel the exact same way. It's funny. I bought my, my few local shows and I'm thinking about this or thinking about that. And I'm like, I can't make any decisions in terms of time and money until Europe comes up because you're right. It's a holy grail. I mean, and actually my husband said he would go with me and he's not a deadhead. I mean, maybe he would even go to the show, but we've been dying to go to Amsterdam. It's my bucket list city in the world. So that mm-hmm. would just be tremendous. I mean, I would, you know, and if he doesn't go to the show, I'll hang, well, you and I will hang out, right? Like, come to yep. Amsterdam, but don't, don't, you don't got to go to the show, baby. You know, like, that would be perfect. That would work out just fine right. all the way around. No, that's my dream. And he said he would go. So I'm um, eagerly awaiting to hear if that happens. And then, um, then that's it. All the time and money will go, uh, go into that bank. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm holding out for that. I've, you know, I've, I've paid for all my stuff for the summer, um, except for my flight to New York. Anyhow, yeah, um, just one more thing I wanted to say about pits is yeah. that I had I ended up booking the trip back in August. The day I got a pre-sale code, I was all in from the get-go. It was never a question of whether I was going. And I actually booked it with, um, let's just say, a member of the opposite sex who I was in a relationship with, or at least thought I was. And that didn't that didn't last much longer than a week or two after I booked the trip. So I ended up finding a roommate um, off the wonderful um, Pitt's Room Share Facebook page. And 
if you ever have to do things by yourself, like I do as a single person, I found like the best roommate and had the best experience. And, you know, if you're single, I just want to say that shout out to all those single ladies and deadheads out there, hook up with somebody as a, as a friend and go to these things, do these things. Um, I'm not afraid to do this stuff solo and you meet some of the best people when you're traveling by yourself. So um, that's my other big takeaway from this experience in Mexico. Oh, that's so beautiful. No, that's awesome. A PSA, right? <laughs> we are a family. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to a family reunion. You just don't know which family member you're going to be. Uh, you're going to be seeing. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. No, I I agree. I mean, that's a million million percent. I mean, I'm uh, if I if I do Atlanta, I'll be going by myself and meeting up with um. Alicia and maybe some other friends and I don't know like it's just yeah like wherever the wind takes you I think it's it's really special it's really beautiful and I love hearing that because it is it's um you know life is short and we you know nobody ever there's that little meme no one ever regretted buying those concert tickets you know like you don't you know you have these experiences and um I was doing Ironman triathlons and I was spending tons of money on race entries and travel to races and bikes and shoes and wetsuits and all that money, guess what, is all now funneled to chasing dead and company around the country and hopefully around the world this fall. You know, I, I've, I've traded one good habit for a better habit. <laughs> Girl, I As couldn't I agree like with you. My, my bad habits are kind of bad. My bad habit was being like a shopaholic. I'm a nice <laughs> Jewish girl and I cannot say no to a good deal. But now that I've been like definitely, I know, it's like I'm a, like a crazy, like, it's you know, you see some like, an awesome dress that's marked off 70%. I just can't leave it. It feels wrong. How do you say no, right? I, I oh, can't. Oh, I, I, I can't. Like, I'm, I'm really bad I, about that. I totally agree. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna sign us off. And I would normally say, let's go hear the wait. But we just heard the wait. And I don't know who the next guest is. So I would welcome in the next guest. But this is all just like the universe is playing itself out. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm so glad to meet you, my stranger now friend. You too. And we'll meet in we'll meet in New York City. I will definitely be in New York on Friday night, and we will have a cocktail in the parking lot and meet up. You got it, girl. And I have a pit ticket too, so we can be pushy bitches together with our Woo! general admission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will meet and we will shake our bones, and it will be brilliant. And I. I'm I'm already like fantasizing. I like to say, right under John Mayer's balls, baby, looking right up at him. Uh, absolutely. That's my. That, he's so hot. He is so hot. Can I just say he is so hot? Uh, he is so, so hot. I'm, he is so hot. He yes, you can say he's he so hot. He is so hot. Neil Deal. He's so hot. He's such a great guitar player. He's funny. He's intelligent. I love the man. L O V E. Love him. So yeah. Well. John, we love you, baby. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Well, thank you, Stacey. Thank this has you. Been fun. Bye. Absolutely. Bye.
Well, Rachel, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yay! I'm so excited to have you on and uh, on this very special Playing in the Sand edition of Stranger Stopping Strangers. But a return guest, because you have way more stories than we're going to talk about today, right? I may. <laughs> I've been known to tell a few stories. Well, we'll just wet everyone's whistle a little bit on this podcast, and then uh, and then we'll come back with more of a deep dive uh, later on when you will have your very own episode. Uh, we'll on <laughs> Ooh, that. I like that. Um, I sound like a telephone sex worker. Ooh, I like that. Please you know give me your credit card number now. Anyway. <laughs> that will go a long way on the podcast. I probably am going to get like 10 more downloads just from that alone, so... Would you like to be a co-host? That's what I want to know next. Would you like to bring that talent on? Sure. Call in today to Stacey's podcast and you'll get a free download. All the way oh down, goodness. baby. All the, way, all, all the way down. Going down the road. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to turn the road back to, so, oh my God, you are the very first stranger that I met at Playing in the Sand, and it's so nuts in like that beautiful way that the dead community works, because I was sent off to meet Rachel via my new friend, Arthur Levitt. Hey now, Arthur. Hey Hey now, Arthur. Hey now, Arthur. What's up? And then we met. It's unbelievable. You were the very, very, very first person. So that just like set the set the tone, right? Yeah, that was to- that was totally weird. How Arthur? Um, I had met Arthur about three years ago when I came to California for this academic convention called So Many Roads. And Arthur's been my, one, it was one of the first people I ever met, and he's still my dear friend to this day. And he had texted me, he's like, "Do you know Stacy?" I'm like, <laughs> uh, no. "What's Stacy?" For where he's like, "Stacy does this podcast. You need to meet her." And I'm like, okay, thanks, you know, and uh, sure enough, randomly, there I am, and there you are, and it was kismet. And I really believe that music, especially this music and this community, has a lot of universal magic, and us meeting on the first day so randomly, we didn't have to seek each other out. The universe just made sure that we connected, because that's what it wants, and the universe gets what it wants. Absolutely. We played right into it, and we were probably meeting while Arthur was sewing my rose. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if he's done with mine. <laughs> uh, well, so cool. Well, we will say, yeah. Hey, now, Arthur, thank you. You put this out into the universe. So, woohoo. And then we started talking some stories. And then you told me one of your stories that then, again, played right into the opening night. So, but, so tell me a little bit. You came out. Did you get there on Wednesday or did you get there on Tuesday? I came the night before and stayed with some friends over at one of the other hotels for a night. And we just kind of hung out and laid low and got to know each other. And then I went over to the hotel the next day. So my package started on Wednesday. So I was there a day early. Got it. Oh, my God. I wish I stayed a day later. I mean, of course, I was so thrilled to come back to reality. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, uh, the people who were like, we're going to go by the pool, you're like, oh, man, that's awesome. I wish I could just grab one more day, you know. Like, so yeah, that's cool. the way to do it. Last year, I went to Los Muertos, and I came a day early and stayed a day late instead of doing two days, you know, in the beginning. Being able to stay that extra day definitely, um, I think, makes a huge difference. So if they do it again next year and I get to go back, I'm going to go a day before and then leave the day after, not the 
two yeah. days after, not the next morning. Well, that's the way to go. I mean, it's like you're, you know, you got the airline, you're going all that way. It's such, so special, and everything is just so intense while the show's on. It's nice to have that wind up and wind down, I imagine. Yeah. And plus, it gives you a chance to really bond with the leftovers. So last year at Los Muertos, I threw an after party. These people like had one of those pool suites. And I'm like, I put this random post in this group. And I was like, does anyone have a suite they want to invite us 30 leftover orphans to so we could do a party tonight? And these people were like, sure. So we went and we threw this huge after party. Well, huge. It was was huge because there was everybody who was left on the resort came. Um, (laughs) It it was totally super fun. And I saw a few of them this year. So shout out to the Los Muertos crew that came back for pits. You guys are awesome. It was so fun to see you. Woo-woo! Well, so so tell me, so when we first met, we started talking about, like, being on the podcast and stories that you would tell and that you were from the Midwest, but that you lived in the beautiful Marin County. And you said you had, like, you know, some stories about that. And I want to hear this one story because it, it's the first thing that, you know, we talked about. And, um, and then, it, again, it just kind of played its hand out. So, yeah, I um, lived primarily in Chicago, Florida, and um, now here in California. Um, so most of my life, no matter where I've lived, I've had pretty much the same routine of going out to the local Grateful Dead music, being in the Grateful Dead community with whatever the bands are. Like, I had pretty much a routine. It was either every Tuesday or Thursday or every Wednesday. or So most of my life, no matter where I've lived, I have been connected to these amazing communities and these amazing people. So I was living in Chicago at the time, taking care of my mother. And a friend of mine had been begging me to come out to Napa for like 10 years. And I'd never been to California, to Northern California. Um, Just never got out here. I was like, no, 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 it's too far. And then randomly, a girlfriend of mine got sick on this day that she was supposed to run this table at a convention. And because I'm in marketing and she knows I'm a people person, I knew her product. She's like, I need you to go. I need you to go. I'm like, no, I'm like, I can't. She's like, please, I have no one else. So anyway, I go to this convention where I'm not even supposed to be. I meet this woman who totally falls in love with me, thinks I'm amazing, wants me to come out to interview with her for a position. And I'm like, where are you? She's like, I'm in Napa. I'm like, of course you are. So she ends up paying for my flight. I come out here to Napa to visit my friends um, who are huge deadheads. And I'm going to come out for two weeks. So I interviewed with the company. I didn't end up getting the job, but that's neither here nor there. And then my friend and I went on like this whole Grateful Dead like experience. We went down to Monterey. We went to visit the old Magoo's Pizza. We went to 701. We went to all these. We went to Stinson Beach and recreated our own photo shoot. We went to Olam Poly. Like we just went on this like whole <laughs> historical journal, you know, journey and like recreated all of these moments from the legacy. As soon as I literally, I'm telling you, when, as soon as I literally got out off my flight and I rented a convertible because I was like, fuck it, I'm in California for two weeks. The minute I got out into the California air, like the doors opened from the airport and I walk out into the Enterprise car lot, I just felt it. I just knew as sure as the day was 24 hours long that I was supposed to be here. Now, I'd never had dreams of moving to California. Uh, like it wasn't on my radar. I had a successful company in Chicago, friends, a whole life, a new lease on a loft I just got. Like there was no, I had no thoughts of uprooting my very stable, very happy life. But I knew I was like, oh my God, I need to be here. So over the course of that two weeks, one of my experiences was also getting a chance to go to Terrapin Crossroads. So I literally, my friend tells me that they're taking me to this restaurant um, that Phil Lush happens to own. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds like fun. So literally we go to this restaurant and there's, it's karaoke night. And people are singing Grateful Dead karaoke. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest place ever. And then as you look at the stage, the guy playing bass was Phil. I'm like, (laughs) what the 
fuck is going on here? And then we got to go to a show in the great room. And then I started, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I'm doing already. But I'm seeing like other bands. If this is what they do, I might as well just come freaking here. So of course, everybody probably says that after going to Terrapin. But Nika, who's the hostess there, who's lovely. Hi, Nika. I told Nika, I'm like, I'll be back. She's like, you know what? I have a feeling you will be. I'm like, yeah, just give me, give me a few months. I'm, this is where I need to be. And I left and I went home back to Chicago. So of course, obviously, I think everyone dreams of moving to California and living in the promised land, but it would not go away. Like I was so sure there were voices in my head. They told me where to go. And that's how we'll lead into estimated profit being the song of my life. And I think John Perry Barlow wrote it for me the year I was born and just didn't know it until later in life when I finally was tuned into the universe to hear that it was calling me to the promised land. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, I want to move to California. And I'm like, this is crazy. Why do I, I can't move to California because I want to follow a band and live around deadhead. That's totally irresponsible, Rachel. And the next thing you know, on Facebook, I see this ad for this academic convention called So Many Roads. And it's all these PhDs that have been studying the Grateful Dead and all these people from the legacy are going to get together for three to five days to talk about not the music per se, but the music's effect on society, personality, the psychology behind the lyrics. It, it was fascinating stuff. All the speakers were like PhDs. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to this convention. And then all these PhDs can help convince me why I'm crazy and that this is not what people do. You don't just pick up across the country to start a whole new life because you want to live in the <laughs> interpretation. nation. But what ended up happening was the exact opposite. I go to this convention. It was the most magical experience ever. I met all of these people that were just like, oh yeah, you belong here. When are you leaving? I'm like, as soon as I get home. It was incredible. And all it did was help me understand that the reasons that I wanted to come here and that the universe was pulling me here were valid and real and rooted in some really spiritual, historical, factual, mathematical shit. It was, fuck, it blew my mind. So literally I went home after that experience and then the universe just opened up the entire world to make it happen. So for example, all of my client contracts had the same relative due date. So I just didn't renew any of them. I had just signed a new lease. I had to put an ad up to try to see if I could get rid of this long-term lease in the middle of town. And sure enough, the first people that came to interview and look at the apartment wanted a two-year lease in my neighborhood. And my wow. landlord just completely let me out of my lease. So then I'm like, oh, what do I do now? I need to find a friend who wants to drive me across country in a truck. So I put a post on Facebook and a friend of mine who happened to used to own a fleet of semis was like, sure, you'll fly me home. I'll drive you to Cali. My friend and I packed all of my shit in a freaking truck and um, off you went here and, within, <laughs> and off I went. And um, within two weeks, it was like there was a freaking brand new life waiting here for me friends, clients, a place to live, this amazing community. It's like I've lived here my whole life. It's fucking crazy. Split my time between here and Florida. I try to be here as much as possible during the, the right seasons. My lifestyle is the same when I go back to my family and go back to Florida. I still connect with the music. I go see Crazy Fingers all the time and my dear friends. So I have a whole community there. So what I love about this music is literally you can go anywhere in the world, Stacey, and have a friend. You, could, oh, you have absolutely. friends everywhere. You might not know them yet, but we have friends fucking everywhere. And it's beautiful and, and it's special. And I would tear up right now if we weren't going to push. <laughs> I would tear up and cry Go if we weren't actually going to. No, I, I can't <laughs> even tell you how many goosebumps I've gotten over, you know, t talking to people with their stories and stuff. And 
it is so beautiful and amazing. And I, and I feel really privileged and really blessed to be able to meet so many people and hear their stories and, and, and be a conduit for, you know, people in music. And I, I mean, you know, it is absolutely incredible. I, I mean, I'm just, I love, you know, I love hearing this and, and it's true. And, um, and yeah, I think anyone who tunes into a Deadhead Community podcast right now will be shaking their heads, being like, "Yep, yep, <laughs> yep." You know, like it's a, uh, it's hard to explain, but it's uh but it makes perfect sense. And and I don't know, it's I feel it's magic. It's magic. The magic is fucking real. Yeah, it's fucking and real. And playing in the sand just even reinforced that. You know, speaking of fun. Um, let's talk about not fun first. So as we all know, John Perry Barlow left this mortal coil last week, um, or a week before. And, you know, most of my favorite songs happen to read like, uh, you know, Bobby and Johnny lyric book. Um, so he's responsible for a lot of the songs that move my soul. One of which is you and I talked about being estimated profit, um, which really, to me is like this song were in my head. It like, when I heard it, it must've been playing out my whole life this whole time. So I posted on Facebook when he died about how John Perry Barlow was my estimated prophet. Because when I told all of my friends and family that I was like packing up and heading West, they're like, are you crazy? Like, do you have friends? Do you have any clients? Do you have a job? Do you have a place to live? I'm like, no. I'm like, but I know it's going to be okay. I'm like, the voices tell me where to go. Don't you worry about me. No. So literally when all my friends and family would ask me what the hell I was doing. Um, and you're all set. There you go. You're like, I would just answer them um, with lyrics, you know, from uh, I'll be rising up to paradise. I know I'm going to shine. Like I would just tell them all of these lyrics. And um, I ended my post with this. I said, and so it was. I packed my life in a truck and headed out west. John Perry Barlow and the voices were exactly right. I ended up in paradise, feeling like an angel standing in a shaft of light in the hallway of Terrapin Cross. And that's my life. And it yeah. wouldn't be possible without all of you and all of the beauty that the magic and the music in this community. And I'm so grateful that uh, I get to spend this time on earth while all of you guys are here. Amen, sister. Amen. Well, I think we should bust out the tune because I'm like literally salivating for it. Like I'm like singing it in my head and, and yeah, when they played it, I mean, you, I, we had met on Wednesday and when they played it, I ran into you right after they played it. It was a uh, second set and I saw you on the water on the beach and I was thinking of you when it was playing and I was just stoked. So I kind of strong armed this song. Well, it's your song, but I, you had a couple amazing songs and, and things and I'm like, no, no, you're estimated profit to me. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. It calls to me. I hear it and I think it's been literally my life hopefully will play out, you know, with the lyrics, this place is uh, a prophet on the burning shore. I mean, look at the lyrics, look at the visual, the visual way that he presents people following their dreams. And it's just, it's amazing. You know what I'm going to look up to, I think what might be fun is um, to recommend to everyone for the podcast, because lyrics have different meanings to everyone. But there's an amazing book by David Dodd, The Annotated yes, Grateful Dead I love that book. Yeah. That's my Bible. Um, I love, yeah. and if love, love. Don't have it, it's really a good investment that every dead, besides dead base, 
which is a little bit different. That's more like cataloging. Like if you want to know what guitar Jerry played on what songs at what show for how many minutes every day, Dead Bass is the best place to go. But if you want to understand the writing of Robert and John and where these songs came from and the background behind some of these visual stories that this band we love has been telling for 50 years, I highly recommend reading about the lyrics and what John Perry Barlow meant when he wrote the song. So that might be fun to not only play it, can't wait to hear it, to go get that book and read about it and see what the lyrics meant. And uh, I'm so glad that we met and we're connected now. Now you'll never get rid of me. I'll be calling in every week. (laughs) 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 I'll find my next song, which is like the music never stops. It'll be like the calls never stop. (laughs) Yeah, no, hey, well, let's, uh, let's roll in. Let's, uh, let's do some estimated profit. Let's, uh, let's all join you on the burning shore. And uh, thank you very much. No, you're my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Enjoy, everyone. Bye.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.